Hello, my name is Carl Lloyd Hauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. I want to welcome everyone joining us uh, online and uh, through video as well. And uh, you're KOA, so you're here for the first week uh, since the winter, so welcome back. Uh, I know you're going to be working out some of the bugs and everything else, but we're so glad uh, that you're with us as well. Uh, thanks for worshiping uh, up there uh, together with us. So uh, we had a prayer vigil, uh, if you remember, uh, just a little while ago, uh, 24 hours of prayer. Um, we had one at the beginning of the year. I, I'm planning on having one this summer again as well. Uh, as we are looking to serve the city and some of the other outreaches we're doing. But uh, as we were at that uh, prayer vigil, um, Gene and I, uh, we took the two o'clock in the morning slot because apparently nobody else likes that slot. So we uh, went in there and uh, got it too. And I got to tell you, um, it was rough. I mean, like the first 35 minutes, I was, I was praying, but it was like kind of those like, oh, like it was, I just, time went so slow and I was just praying and not getting anywhere. And, and so after about 35 minutes, uh, I kind of ran out of things on the list that I put out to pray. And so it's like, okay, well, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to pray? You know, what do I do now? And so I was just kind of sitting there for a minute and uh, this word came to my mind and this uh, a thought, and it was just one word. And the word was delight. And so I was like, okay, I'll start praying delight. And so I started praying about the things like that, uh, that I find delightful and I'm just thankful. You know, thank you, Lord, for the mountains. Thank you for my family. Thank you for these things. But then God, you know, you ever get like those prayers and it just kind of feels like a snowball? It's like, well, something's happening. There's like this move that's taking place. And so it's just like the more I even like said the word, I was just like, oh boy, something's going on. And, then I, and the prayer changed. And, and then I started praying for like what God delights in. And you know what came to mind was you. And I was praying like, God, oh, you delight in this church. You delight in your church and you delight in your servants and you delight in their praises and he delights in you and he delights in me. And I mean, that word is just so powerful that God delights in you. And I'll tell you what, the next 45 minutes of prayer felt like they were like two minutes. Because I'll tell you, I feel like I was just at the moment, I had God's heart. You ever felt like that when you're praying? Like you're praying what he thinks, and what he feels. I want you to know that he delights in you. He sees you and he delights. Now, I want you just to say that because it just seems so weird, all right? So just try saying, it's going to feel a little funny, but say, God delights in me. Say it right now, God delights in me. Now, I don't know if that felt weird for anyone, but it's, it's easier to say, well, God loves me, right? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I can do that. I've been saying that, but God delights in me? Well, guess what? The Bible tells us so. It also tells us that. Open your Bible up to Psalm 149. And we're going to look at verse 4. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. And it says, For the Lord takes delight in what his people. The Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the saints rejoice in his honor, in, in this honor, and sing for joy in their beds. We're in this uh, series right now called Silent Killers. And one of the things that we're talking about right now is self-worth and self-esteem. And see, the whole foundation for our worth and our self-esteem is who we are in God, who we are in Christ. 
and that he looks so highly about you and thinks so highly of you that he sent his son to die for you so he can be with you. And I love this passage here because it says, not only does he love you, you know, and, and I don't know about you, but when I hear he loves me, it's like, yeah, he loves everybody. That's his job, right? No, he loves you. And he delights in you. He delights in you. Do you get that? And it says, and saints rejoice in this amazing honor. What an honor that you bring delight to the creator of the universe. And you see, I don't know if you understand or if you, or if you get it right now, but just here, let's think about the time. When was the last time you just felt delighted? I can think of a, a number of moments. One moment, I, I remember we were on vacation. Gina and I actually, we, we did a wedding in Cancun for my brother-in-law. And then we went over and uh, did, went to Cozumel. I'd never been to Cozumel before. So we got on this little ferry, like, so let's check out Cozumel. And um, we got off the ferry and I'm walking around like, okay, it's Cozumel. Didn't know what to do. And some guy came up to me and he said, uh, you, you want a scooter? Want to rent a scooter? I'm like, sure. I don't know what else I'm going to do. So I grabbed on the scooter and we just, Gina got in the back and, and we started going and we went down. I'm like, where do we go? And they're like, there's only one road in Cozumel. It goes around the island. And so, okay, let's go around the island. So we started going and we're dodging little crabs running across the road. And then you get out there a little ways and all of a sudden there's just like this little beach. There's nobody there. We're like, let's go play in the water. So we went and played on the beach. And we got back on our little scooter, went down for a little while. And there's like a little tiki hut, right? hey, let's get some fish tacos and get fish tacos, get back on the scooter. And we did that all day long, just going to Tiki Hut to the beach. And then uh, we, as we're there, you know, the, the sun's going down, we're out there. And I was like, ah, this is living, right? So that's that just a little sense of delight. Now, how about this? Think about your, your, your favorite person in the world right now, okay? Who's your favorite person? Now, think about their best moment, like when you were just the most happy with him. Now, do you understand that, that that's just a taste of how God feels about you all the time? That's delight. He delights in you. Do you understand that? See, we're just like, well, I, I hope God likes me, you know? I hope God's not too mad at me right now. It's the completely wrong approach. It's the wrong place to begin. Well, I gotta, I gotta make sure God's happy with me. God's already happy with you. You just live and rest in a place where he delights in you. Let me show you. Just go to one page to the left there, Psalm 147, verse 10. His pleasure, God's pleasure, is not in the strength of horse, of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of a man. Now, what that just means is he's not real excited about your strength. Not so excited about what you can do in your own power. The Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. And I love this because God delights in you not when you're strong, not when you're good, not when you're at your best moment. He delights in you when you're just looking at him. When you're just hoping in him. He's like, ah, that's my beautiful child. That's my masterpiece. That's the one I created. So we talk about your self-worth, we talk about your self-esteem, and I just want to ask you, is that how you live? I mean, you go around day to day, moment by moment, like, I am God's delight. Maybe you need to say it again. I am God's delight. Say it. I am God's delight. It's so true. And get beyond just saying it and start to think it and live it and walk in it. And see, when you come from that point, when you understand that, that that's where we are all the time. It changes everything. 
I want to show you a passage that it changed for me. It's Romans 12, verse 3. And once I understood how God feels about me all the time, it, it, it just totally transformed the way I re- would read this passage. And Paul says in Romans 12, 3, he says, For by the grace given, me, uh, given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. And you know how I felt every time I read that passage until recently? Oh, I stink. I got to quit being so proud. I got to tamper myself down. Come on, you know, you got to, I got to whip my back here just a little bit. I'm I'm so horrible, right? And see, many of us, we think that we ought, how ought we think about ourselves, that we ought to be ashamed of ourselves most of the time, that we should just walk through this life with shame. Most of us, many of us think we ought to kind of just stick ourselves back, you know, get back into your place. Just settle down, right? Many of us think we ought to feel loathing, especially when we're starting to feel pride. Like, I can't have any pride. It's better. It is better to be just to hate myself than to be proud. But God doesn't feel that way at all. I mean, God, you are so precious and you are always on his mind. Psalm 139, which many of you know, it's such a powerful, important passage. And David cries out in Psalm 139, 14, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. I mean, before you were born, before you were conceived, he saw you. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So how ought we feel about ourselves? How should we feel about ourselves? Well, we ought not think that we are above other people. We we ought not think that we're more important We ought not think that it's all about us. We ought not be selfish or greedy or arrogant. We shouldn't demean or hurt other people. But we also ought not think that we are any less than God's masterpiece of creation. You know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he looks at you and he's like, ah, my delight. Do you live like that? That's self-worth. That's self-esteem. It's not a participation award. It's knowing who God made you to be and how he feels about you and thinks about you. I was doing some research on this and Psychology Today uh, was talking about the definition of self-esteem and it says, well, believe you are equal to everyone else and you are no better and no worse. And I thought, you know, they got something there. That I'm not any worse, but not any better. I love when psychology starts to catch up to God's word. Isn't that good? I saw some more research in there, the Confidence Coalition. Now, this one, this one breaks my heart. I don't know if this is true, but it said that 2%, 2% of women think they're beautiful. Psalm 139 would say, if that would say 98% of you are wrong, you're beautiful. Okay, guys, before you get all cocky and happy about this, you know, let's think about ourselves as we ought here. 55%. So look around. So see two different men. Okay, odds are that at least one of them now thinks that they are unliked by other people. People don't like them. More than half the men in this room think other people don't like them. Nearly 60% of the men aren't confident in their ability to do the job. So that's the poser crisis, right? The pretender crisis that we have right now. Like, I hope they don't find out. Hope they don't find out how it really goes, you know? I love when people, they say, oh, Carl, man, that was a great sermon. You know, you're doing a good job. I was like, you should see me on Thursday. 
I, I, I hope you don't ever see how things are going on Thursday as I'm crying out to God for help, right? See, but, but we have so incredible value, so much incredible value because of God, who God made us to be. And low self-worth, research shows that if you walk in low self-worth, you're, you're more apt for violence, to drop out of school, to be ineffective at your job, to get pregnant as a teenager, to walk in depression. Your, your rate of suicide multiplies. Low achievement is like where you live. And so now listen to that. Listen to what happens when we live and think about ourselves that way. So if I wanted to annihilate a person, if I wanted to destroy a person, you know what I would do? I would go after their self-worth. Do you understand what the enemy wants you to think about yourself? See, do you see that the enemy wants you to tear down and to hate yourself? Listen, church, understand, the enemy is lying to you all the time about who you are and your self-worth. Whispering to you all the time so he could bring you into all that death and destruction. If he wanted to tear down a culture, what would he do? He would tear down their worth and value that they have just because they were created by God. And we fall for it. Do you know why? Because of sin. And so the, the knowledge of good and evil, the problem with that is when we got that knowledge, we realized, oh dear, we're evil and he's good. And we knew that there's separation and we knew that there's a problem. And see, one of the consequences of our sin is our broken relationship and connection with God. It's our broken self-worth. Because we're aware, we know deep down, like, wow, we're just not where we should be and who we should be. And we're forgot, we've forgotten who we are in him because of our separation from him that the sin brings in us. So here's what we do after we understand who we are in God. After you understand how he delights in you, the next thing, this is the, a truth, if you want to find self-worth and value, and this is the world that misses it, and that's why I think the world is missing this whole idea. And the first thing is, is we have to, we practice repentance and we embrace grace. Practice repentance and embrace grace. The first point in your notes here. Now, the world doesn't understand that part, the first part especially, because the world would say, okay, in order to have good self-esteem, feel good about whatever you've done. In fact, celebrate your sin. Be proud of your sin, right? See, but, but walking in sin cannot build your soul because it's a corruption of the beauty that you're meant to be. It's a corruption of who God meant you to be. There, there's no way to be full in who you are if you're gonna continue to walk in sin. I mean, let, let's imagine that I told you, you know, guys, it makes me feel bad about myself every time I yell and cuss and scream at my children. I just feel kind of bad about myself. Now, I hope you wouldn't say, well, next time as you cuss and scream and yell at your children, just know deep down that you're actually a good person. I hope that's not what you say. I hope you would say, hey, let's stop cussing. Let's stop screaming at our children. Let's just start there. And maybe we could start to see a road of improvement, right? That's the part that the world misses. But the second part is the part the church misses. And this, you have to understand this. God feels delighted when you repent. He's happy when you come to him with your sin. See, and that's so foreign to us because that's not how we feel, right? I mean, what's the worst part? The worst part is always the moment right before the confession. That's when you're your lowest. So you're gonna feel like God feels the same way you do. No, no, see, as soon as you bring it to him, that is the end of God's disappointment, not the beginning of it. As you bring it to him, he's not, ah, yeah, I knew it. 
Look at, look at Luke 15. Now, this passage, it's used to talk about people coming to Jesus, and, and it's certainly about the lost coming to Jesus. But I want to show you another part of it here, too. And it says in Luke 15, 1, it says, The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does not he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it in his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. Do you see the delight? Do you see the excitement? And I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven. Now let's see why. Over what? Over one sinner who repents. Over one sinner who repents. So is that someone who doesn't know Jesus and comes to salvation? Yes. But I submit to you that it's also someone who knows Jesus and hasn't been walking with him or who has been sinning. And he's over there knowing Jesus in the corner and he repents. And there's more joy in heaven for him than the 99 who never needed to repent in the first place. And so there is where we have it right there I mean, from the words of Jesus. And that we see we're so good at walking in repentance, but so bad at embracing grace. And we come in and we repent and God doesn't say, oh, all right. Go sit back down, get back in line. It says here he has a party. He's like, yes. You were wrong. You're right. You were wrong. You did it. You got it. You're free. That's all I wanted for you in the first place. And he delights in your repentance because he delights in you and he delights in your connection. And he knows that out of the way he could connect with you in a deeper way that your heart is open to him again. See, here's a huge truth that most Christians just don't believe. That Did you know that God delights in you even in your mistakes? See, we think, okay, well, if I can get that stuff out of there, then God will like me. God likes you. That's why you get that stuff out of there. You see, we all have mistakes all the time, and he always delights in us all the time. And we have to understand how eager God is to extend grace. You have to understand how hungry he is for your freedom, how desperate he is for your healing, so you can embrace grace for yourself. And many of us, well, we can extend grace to other people, but it's so hard to give it to ourselves. Well, there's a couple things that I want to just encourage you to live this out, to help you to win in this area. And the first thing is, is you've got to watch your self-talk. What you say to yourself about yourself. And the Holy Spirit has just been highlighting this to me. I mean, I, I, I wasn't even aware of it until I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, what did you just say? What did you just tell yourself? What are you? What do you tell yourself when you're all alone? What do you tell yourself when you're disappointed? What do you tell yourself when you're frustrated? Listen, stop saying, oh, I'm ugly. I'm so stupid. I'm such a disappointment. I'm an idiot. I'm bad. I'm a loser. Stop it. You know what it is for me? I am so ready to say, ah, oh, I failed again. Ah, oh, just be better. Try harder. Push. Go stronger. Do more. You can earn it. So much grace. I have so much grace for your mistakes and so little for my own. But I want you to understand something. That, that's not a virtue. That's a problem. You need to have grace for yourself. And if our self-talk, if it's tearing ourselves down and it's berating ourselves and it's accusing ourselves, then we are serving, listen to this, we are serving as the mouthpiece of Satan in our own lives. 
You know, it's like when, when I uh, hike snuffles. You ever hike snuffles before? It's like every other step, you just take a rock and throw it at your foot. Like, this hiking is horrible. I hate this. Stop doing that. Stop tearing yourself down. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. How do we get that? Well, if that's what he brings, then what are his words? What are his thoughts? Well, we know it's whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's admirable, whatever's excellent, whatever's praiseworthy. Think about these things about yourself. So we talk about taking our thoughts captive, and we know about that. If you've been walking with Jesus, I'm sure you've heard. We've got to take our thoughts captive. And, you know, so we think, okay, oh, yeah, that lustful thought, I've got to take that captive. That's part of it. And that thought of anger, okay, I've got to take this thought captive. And that slander or whatever, I've got to take a thought, that thought captive. But listen, it's not just that. It's the self-talk. It's the things that you are saying about yourself. And if they don't line up with the truth about what God says about you, you need to take it captive and quit agreeing with the enemy. Quit being the mouthpiece of Satan in your life because all he wants is your destruction. So we're going to take just a little freedom step right now. And I've been praying over this moment, asking God just to meet you here and just to talk to you, and I think he will. And so I'm going to ask God just to reveal just maybe just one thing. And so if you, if you would just pray this prayer with me, and if you're uh, watching on the video right now or um, at the campground, just, just do this with us, Okay. So just pray this out, now, out loud right now. Say, Holy Spirit, what do I say to myself that doesn't fit with what you say? All right, Holy Spirit, just speak to us right now. Just show us a word. Thank you, God. Now, the only thing I have to tell you is stop saying that. He just showed you. That's not what he feels about you. That's not what he thinks about you. You know, one of the things they do in our children's ministry, which I absolutely love, is um, every, every once in a while they'll have the kids say, hey, hey, let's just take a minute and ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you think about me? And the kids just say, Jesus, what do you think about me? And I love being in the classroom when they answer that. Uh, he says he likes my shoes. You know, it's like, yeah, what a good question for you to ask. I mean, really, in the midst of it, when you're feeling disappointed, when you're frustrated with yourself, when you're embarrassed, and you know, uh, don't you hate the feeling of being embarrassed? That's a great time when you're embarrassed to say, Jesus, what do you think about me? Jesus, are you embarrassed of me? Just open yourself up to see what he would say. I'm almost certain, I am certain he will not say, yeah, I'm pretty embarrassed. Pretty ashamed of you right now. We've got to quit agreeing with the enemy here. See, if your self-talk is self-hate, if it's self-accusation, if your self-talk is self-deprecation, if it's self-destruction, stop it. Start agreeing with God's talk. Agree with what he says about you. All right, here's the next practical step here. If you want to bring that up on the screen here. Stop focusing on what you aren't. Start celebrating what you are. Stop focusing on what you aren't. Stop celebrating what you are. God made you on purpose. And he made you unique and he made you for this time. And we need to stop comparing ourselves. 
And I'll tell you what, I, I am not all sorts of things that I would like to be. And there's people that I admire. You know, one of the things that I really wish is I, I wish I was like more kind of decisive and stronger. In fact, I wish I was like even like a little pushy, right? It's like those are like people like, man, look at those guys. They just charge ahead and they do it. But, but you know, I often talk about the downside of your upside, so if you've been here before, you've heard me talk about that. And so like, here's the, the idea of the downside of your upside. So let's say your upside is that you're really giving, right? Well, the downside of that good thing is that sometimes really giving people can lose themselves. You give so much, you don't even know who you are anymore. But I want to submit to you, this is something I've never said before. Maybe your downside has an upside. Have you ever thought about that? Maybe there's some benefit. Maybe God actually wants me to be a little slower on the decision. Maybe actually there's a blessing that comes if I just kind of stop and see both sides and I wait on him and I need him to make the decision instead of just kind of push through. Actually, maybe that's something he wants for me. Now, sin is sin, right? And we need to address our sin. But maybe some of the things you don't like about you are actually some of the very best things about you. And I just want to open up you to open up your heart to say, you know what, maybe God did that on purpose. Maybe there's something in this that I struggle with that actually is like beautiful, that I need to be and that I need to do. You know, some other research that I found, and this one, this breaks my heart, found that self-worth starts, it takes a precipitous drop as soon as people turn 60. Now, I, I understand why. I mean, I didn't redefine why, but what I would guess is, well, you know, your, your job is kind of what's going on now. Your family, it's tough to like, well, my, what's the purpose of my family? You know, as my family's going out and doing their own thing, it's like, well, I can't really find myself worth there. And all these things that we look to are just, they're not there anymore, right? Because we're looking to the wrong things instead of who we are and why we're created. But, but I had to address this because, I, listen, I want you to know that if you are 60 or over, we desperately need you. You are so valuable to this family. And see, there's some young kids in here and they don't understand how bad they need you because they're really busy. They got a lot to do. They got their families. They're trying to get things going right now. They don't know how much they need your wisdom. So they're probably not going to reach out to you, but you can reach out to them. And I'll tell you, I've had a number of people, 10, 20 years older than me, who just kind of put their arm around me and they reached out to me. I'm like, oh, I don't even know. You're what I needed. I want you to understand if you're over 60, what God has invested in you is so precious and so valuable and we need you. In the kingdom of God, it cannot be that way. In the kingdom of God, we honor you as you get older. You have so much to give. We need you so much and we give you great honor. That's when you have the most wisdom, the most experience, the most perspective. You know, I, I loved uh, my good friend, uh, Rod uh, Martin, who passed away a, a little while ago here of COVID. Uh, and he was, I, whenever I needed perspective, I would go talk to him. Because he's just been here forever. He's seen everything, you know? It's like, yeah, well, when something like that happened back in 62. Uh, oh, good. Okay, it happened in 62. Thanks, Rod. You know, if you grew up with disappointment, if you grew up having significant disappointment or feeling that your parents are disappointed in you, your self-worth suffers. But I want you to understand that God knew what he was doing when he created you and he made you a masterpiece and he knew what you would go through. And see, that pain, that brokenness, and I think most of us can point to a thing where it just kind of all shattered, right? 
And when, when you think of that thing, when everything just, just kind of fell apart, I'm not saying God brought it to you. I'm not saying he did it, but I do know this, is that God looked at all those pieces and he took his paintbrush and he said, you know what? Yeah, that mess there, I, I can use this color. I could use some of this. I need, in fact, I need to mix some of this in. And then he used that to make his past masterpiece and he used that to make you. He used that to shape you and form you. And the pain that you went through, God took it to make it a blessing and transform you. Guys, church, we need to learn to just start wanting what he's already given us. I mean, I, you know, I'm enjoying ministry right now more than I ever have in my entire life because I'm finally learning just to be me. You know, it's just a lot better when I'm me instead of some other pastor. It doesn't work real well when I do that. It's just fun. It's blessing. And I think it's more effective. And so thinking more highly of ourselves than we are, really, I think that's just thinking too much of ourselves, thinking too much about ourselves, especially our failures. Well, I'm not this, I'm not this, I'm not. Stop it. God knew what he was doing. He made you good. Okay, here's the the last thing I want to talk about. So here's one other thing that you can do to help you with your self-worth, and it's simply this. Show others how valuable they are. Don't know why it works this way, but it's such a powerful, powerful thing to do. Remember, uh, right when I got out of college, I was working at this place called Larimer County Youth Safe, and we'd take kids in who were uh, coming out of jail, or they were runaways, or, you know, the county didn't know what to do with them, so they'd come into this house, and um, so I was in charge of the summer program, and I started this new thing where I would take these kids, these boys, who, uh, who'd been thrown away, who'd been frustrated, who'd been hurt, and we would just go to nursing homes and they would pull and push, excuse me, just push uh, little old ladies around in their wheelchairs. And it was the best thing they ever did. I mean, you could see them like they just light up because you know what? They're coming like, I did something good. I mean, they're reflecting the heart of Christ is what they're doing. They feel good, the people that we serve, but you see the good inside of you. And so when you go out and when you serve and, and you know, you're laying your life down for Christ, don't say, oh, you know, I'm just a lowly piece of trash doing my duty for the Lord. Come on, you're royalty, you're nobility, you're beautiful. You are made in the image of Jesus Christ doing what Jesus Christ does. And that is sharing dignity with those who don't feel like they're dignified. And the truth is, yeah, I guess you do stink, but you know what? You're the aroma of Christ. And you go in and you smell like Jesus and you bring Jesus everywhere you go. A powerful, beautiful thing. Who you are and what he made you to be. Church, we've got to get it. We're going around tearing ourselves down. We're just helping the enemy do his work. And I, I think most of us, the problem isn't that we're too proud. The problem is that we're too falsely humble. Not everybody. We all got pride we can deal with. But a lot of us, we just beat ourselves up so bad. It's not God's heart for you. So I want to, I asked um, Eric and the team um, to sing this last song. And um, as I was listening to it, I actually, God put it on my heart at the beginning of the year. And I knew that it was going to come at this series. And um, it's just, uh, I'm confident. I just know that this is what God would say to you about you right now. So you can sing the song if you know it, but, but really more than anything, I want you to receive this song. And so you could, if you want to, you can put your hands out, you could stand up, whatever you'd like to do. But as we go through the song right now, I just, I just want you to receive it 
as God's word for you and what he has to say to you. And so, Lord God, I thank you that you delight in us. Lord, I thank you that you are our self-worth. And Lord, I, I just pray you help us not to agree with the enemy anymore and do his work for him anymore. But Lord, that we stand on the truth of who you say we are. And Lord, we're your masterpiece. We're precious to you, the apple of your eye. And Lord, I pray that even as we sing this song right now, you just help us to get it, that you just help us to receive it. Holy Spirit, you'd speak it to us and we would really hear it in our hearts for maybe the first time in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.